0: everyone this is sex and ethics and i'm sharon lamb and i'm madeline brood today we thought that we would do a movie review for you so there are going to be so many spoilers we cannot discuss this movie without there being spoilers turn it off now and listen after you uh rent this movie and i hear it will be coming out at a less expensive price in the middle of December.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, and the movie is uh, The Last Duel, based on, I forget who wrote the book. All I remember now is who wrote the screenplay, which is Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and Nicole Holofcener. Eric Yeager wrote the book. And it is about the last duel in France in the 14th century over... Mm-hmm. The crime of rape or we might say the crime of property <laughs> we'll get to that yeah and there is this interesting strategy they used which was to do a three chapter kind of three perspective look at this duel and it was from the experience of the husband mm-hmm. who's the crime was against him because his wife was his property, played by Matt Damon, and his name was Jean. I forget his last name. He'll probably have his last name.
1: I can't say it. carrage
0: C-A-R-R-O-U-G-E-S. C-A-R-R-O-U-G-E-S. Clearly, I took Italian and Rouge. not French. I think Carouge. Okay, Jean Carouge. And then his friend, uh, Jacques Legris, <laughs> he is gray and so we gotta think gray area and then, mm-hmm. and uh, jean carouge's wife marguerite and mm-hmm. uh, they're all uh, jean becomes a knight and jacques legree is a squire and mm-hmm. uh marguerite is the daughter of somebody who was a traitor to the king and there's also mm-hmm. a count played by ben affleck Count Pierre
1: yeah. um, who is uh, a person in a position of power and is really good friends with Legree? do so we see lots of scenes in the movie of them having a carousing time together, engaging in sex with sex workers at multiple points in the same room together their butts
0: <laughs> you mean that uh, that little porn that Game of Thrones porn scene.
1: Yeah, there were multiple of them, but the there was one that was a, a a larger showpiece in the film.
0: Right, right, right. And I guess we'll start with just the funny stuff first. I think, and just sort of we, you just just to get it out of the way. What was that mullet hairdo on Matt? Oh, it, was, it was so bad, <laughs> and I know it was probably realistic for the time or something. But I oh, that, I don't know if it was realistic because as I was. As I was reading up all those sort of, uh, is it on IMDb where they talk about the mistakes movies make? There were a mm-hmm. few mistakes in the movie. Like there wasn't, it wasn't until a few centuries later when the English or when the French countryside got split up by hedges into different blocks and and uh, mm-hmm. squares. And and the the term little death for orgasm wasn't actually used during that time period. I don't know mm-hmm. when it was, but it was a nice addition. Yeah. I think
1: interestingly, the fact that, that an orgasm was used as evidence in this case was also kind of funny for me, given our current context, it was just like, oh, in, in most of our current zeitgeist, like men don't care about women's orgasms, but now there's here a focus on it. it. It was, it was odd. I had some dark chuckles to that.
0: Right. Well, if you believe that an orgasm is what's required to produce a baby, and there was some senator who said that a few years yes. back, remember? <laughs> yeah, like that's what sex education is like in the uh-huh. U.S. The senator believed that you can't get pregnant unless a woman has, you know, an orgasm. I mean, that's why it was important to them then, because it's it would produce an heir. And that was a bit of tricky doing for the women, sort of, whatever woman just said, you know, I can't get pregnant unless I have an orgasm. Yes. (laughs) And then the rumor took off. (laughs) 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 Oh, gosh. Well, so the Game of Thrones, mullet, softcore porn. We cannot forget about Ben Affleck' hair
1: dyeing choice. (laughs) It's not a good shade of blonde, I think, for his complexion. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you no, know, and I have to think that was a little nod to Game of Thrones too, when the boy king had ah, super blonde hair too. Yes, Joffrey. I, I, did you feel like that these were, you know, two guys, two friends who watched Game of Thrones and thought it was awesome and said we got to do this, and then they happened to find a, you know, pretty good book to apply it to?
1: I think that's really likely. It definitely. This whole film seems like rape from a man's perspective. Full stop. Rape romance. There's such a genre. Rape from a man's perspective. Sorry, oh, I was I not you were
0: that. You were no that there were novels. Please
1: <laughs> knock on wood. Let that not be a genre
0: of thing. But well, wait, wait it, it is. It, I mean, that is what it's supposed to be. It is supposed to be what was the man's perspective. What was the husband's perspective? Who mm. believed there was a rape? What was. I, I think the interesting one is the second perspective of uh, of Legree, of Legree, um, whether uh, where it 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 indicates. I think that he doesn't believe it's a rape, but yeah, maybe that's, some, that's something really interesting to talk about. And then, of course, it's a rape from the woman's perspective.
1: But I don't even feel like that. Even her last chunk of the story didn't even feel like it was very congruent with a woman's perspective it felt like it was like woman's perspective light edition with half the calories if that makes sense
0: in in terms of her response afterwards and how quickly Mm -hmm. she was like I I want him tried Mm -hmm. instead of like totally discombobulated and and traumatized and you know re-traumatized when her bestie uh betrays her the women yeah said, well, you said he was handsome. So I guess you must've wanted it. <laughs> you know?
1: Yes. There's no consideration or back and forth about some of the choice points she has because Legree ends his rape of her by saying like, don't tell this to anyone, your husband will kill you. And we see him getting close to that in her perspective when, where it shows that Matt Damon has his hand around her throat asking her, are you telling me the truth? Which is a way that lots of women
0: die. Right. And which wasn't in his rendition of it. um, Exactly. Happened. When you watch his rendition, they're a happily married couple making their way, and he's a very sensitive lover and Mm -hmm. asks her if she's had her little death to have to have you had a little death so that there was this a productive session? Mm -hmm. And I just her face during sex in his mind. Uh, versus in her mind i'm talking about just regular sex with her husband, yeah, I think that was a really good moment to sort of show the way she's kind and he's, saying "Was it good for you and she's going mm-hmm. or gritting her teeth, yeah, because
1: your life is at risk in that context, like in this period of time, like women were property and their only usefulness was to manage the households, which she does effectively in, in the film from everyone's accounts and to produce children, Yeah, which is why she has a lot. She sees the doctor to see if she could be infertile. And they talk about her humors and black bile and all that good stuff that <laughs> I think <laughs> is very, very fun. Right, right. Well, um. It- yeah, go ahead. I was going to say I think the fact that for me it feels like Woman Light is might be might have been created because of who was behind the creative team for this. So the book was written by a man, the screenplay was written by two men and it was directed by a man. And I it's not like I am a hardline person where like I say that like you have to be able to have a lived experience in order to create art around an incident and I think it's interesting that all men were the ones to bring this project to fruition
0: well this person Nicole um Hall of Center is 61 she's done quite a few screenplays and she did a screenplay for an amazing feminist movie called lovely and amazing I used to uh, teach it in my gender and psychology course mm-hmm. so I kind of trust her Perspective on this, but in my mind, I'm imagining her in these meetings with these two enthusiastic, famous men, and you know she's not going to get her way on everything. So she's, mm-hmm. you know, what it's like to be collaborating with some men on a project. You give in. We're, you know, we're collaborators, right? And so you give in a little bit, and mm-hmm. stuff But I think she had her way in the women's with uh, you know a few things in the women's point of view. I really, yeah. I really like the comparison of the little things like the kicking off of the shoes versus oh. losing her shoes.
1: Yes. Or the way that Legree picked up the prostitute in the same way that he, he like picked her up and said, like, if you run, I'm just going to chase you. And he does almost the exact same thing in both of the stories, but yeah, yeah. where he is. And immediately what happens before that totally changes this from something that's like flirty or amusing into something much more sinister. And you can see that when he talks to Ben Affleck and he says, like, she, she invited me or something. she made the customary protest, but she was a lady. It was not against her will.
0: Well, when she's running up the stairs in his version, she's like inviting him to follow her and she kicks off her shoes. Yes and when when she's running up in in her version she's desperately trying to get away from him and her shoes fall off as she's tripping off the stairs and you mm-hmm. might wonder how could their views be so different in this way and this is the part that this is the part that bothers me about the movie and that's that it's the misunderstanding hypothesis and yes. the research shows that men who rape Aren't actually misunderstanding the cues the woman uh-huh. is giving. They're disregarding them. And so, his whole point of view, and that's why his is the most troubling, is and, you know, I don't know whose perspective it is. Is it in his memory that he was seeing that and he's transformed it? Because I think at the time of that, he knew he was taking advantage of her. Or convincing himself, like if we take a, a Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh, in his memory, we were just a bunch of kids goofing around at the time when he was holding down, you know, a, a, another a teenage girl in a bathing suit, you know, and and her face looked terrified. I think he just disregarded it. I don't think he knew, you know, he was thinking, oh, she's protesting, you know, yeah. uh, as a flirtation. But I understand. So that's why I wish with the second story, they had, it had been, and much later, this was his version. Instead, it showed it like his version at the time, which is, yeah, that's my main protest about that.
1: I agree with you. I think there's a lot of ways that it was clear that Legree was focusing on his own experience and kind of blocking out whatever was happening with her. You know, he was clearly paying attention to the pleasure he was experiencing and less about like how he was creating this situation. Like, I don't think that he has ever, it seems like his reputation as being like a Lothario, like was gossiped about, allows him to believe that whatever he does is is, uh, going to be positively received by women. And he just never questions that. Mm. And the fact that you can not question that as someone is underneath you struggling and crying is yeah. there's no way that can be a miscommunication
0: uh well maybe well maybe that's what they wanted to be the point of the movie to have people asking did he know what he was doing or not at the time and to me that's what makes this movie what's the word I want to it's not regressive it's just like Where have you been for the last 20 years? We've had plenty of good movies about this. We have plenty of talk about this. Why are you presenting this like it's a new story? We've resolved this question. We know that it's, you know, that there wasn't... Why are you bringing this up? We know that you need consent and you need to not assume. So if that's the point of their movie, it's like you've been in a bubble. This is an old-fashioned movie. It's something I would imagine in the 40s or 50s that raise the question Mm -hmm. we're beyond that in our rape discussions and then I think or maybe we're not we have to keep having that same discussion over and over he's just a poor kid who thought she was flirting with him yeah
1: I want us to be better than that and you know after I watched the movie I looked up some reviews and the way that reviewers are Putting or framing it is, I think, part of the, what the problem is. Like in the New York Times, um, Manola, Dargis. Manola Dargis wrote a review that was really surprising to me. It sounds like you read it as well, Sharon. Yeah, I
0: read that one too.
1: So the first sentence I think is really striking. So it's no surprise that Ridley Scott, who's made a share of swaggering manly epics, has directed what may be the biggest big screen's first medieval feminist revenge saga. There's no revenge here. Feminist what is happening? What is happening? This is a feminist justice revenge saga.
0: Revenge. I mean, he put her life at risk. I mean, did you, they, that went by pretty quickly, but uh, when he decides to do a duel, he's like saying that if uh, I lose this, my wife will be burned or something. Yeah. She at the stake. For 30 minutes. She's not consulted. She wanted a trial. She didn't want, you know, some manly, like, I'm going to prove myself and you're going to burn if I lose. Yeah.
1: And I think there's this idea that that's still present in our culture that women might have been violated, but the way that they try to get justice always is revenge. It never is just.
0: Oh, wow. What a great point that is. I mean, of course, revenge and justice uh, is different. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, and he was the one who wanted the revenge, and he wanted the revenge not on behalf of his wife. She didn't get revenge, and she didn't get justice. He yeah. did because it was uh, framed in terms of her being his property, and his property was defiled. Mm-hmm. And it was a competition between two men, really, over many. That's that was the center of the story. Was that it starts with Jean saving the life of Jacques. At the Battle of Limoges, which I thought was, you know, would be throwing China dishes at each other. <laughs> anyway, but and so, you know, and that uh, he's indebted to him for for life after that. And then he starts competing with him in all sorts of ways. So I thought this was uh-huh. a movie about men's competition with other men. And a woman is just a pawn in this and, and that's why her perspective was, you know, not, although it was the best perspective and the truth, it was still, you know, with all the violence and all the game of Thrones, it was a man's movie. Did mm-hmm. you ever see a movie in the company of men? Let me Google it. Cause I'm bad with names. A long time ago. It was, it's a fascinating. movie. Neil LeBute Le was the writer, screenwriter. And it's about, no, I haven't a man who's a clear misogynist makes a bet with another man about who can seduce a vulnerable woman first and they choose a woman who is deaf because they figure that she'll be the most vulnerable and she's desperate to have somebody like her so they compete to for her attention Uh and she's basically a pawn in two men's two men trying to outdo each other. And so that's what this reminded me of. She was upon really about her husband, you know, uh wanting uh, both of those men wanting revenge on whatever. One competing, yeah. one vengeful. Ugh.
1: Right, cuz in uh Carouge's understanding, like Legree has beaten him out of glory in the battle that they fought together. He's beaten him out of Property that he should he should have quote unquote gotten as part of marrying Marguerite yeah her daughter um uh, like a plot of land that apparently is very profitable he is able to curry more favor with like elders and stuff like that and so he is able to have greater access to money and so in some ways it just feels like you know this is just another chapter in their rivalry yeah
0: yeah. But I do have to say I thought, I mean, we might disagree on that. I thought that her rape was treated that there was no question at all that she did not want this to happen and that it was horrible for in her, her
1: part, I agree.
0: Um and uh and it wasn't uh sexy like so oh, many no. have done with rapes in the past
1: right these are quite distressing rape scenes i they'll sit with me for a while because of how they were chosen to be shot like and what they focused on so like for me when they were doing so we see the rape a couple different times
0: just two times we don't see it from the husband's perspective yeah he just hears about
1: it but when Legree is, is having sex with her, as he believes, like consensually, it focuses on him and you see both of their bodies and you see her, him like physically moving her and her moving back in response or something like that, even as he's holding her down. But when she's raped in her part, we don't see him doing stuff as much. It focuses on her face. Yeah. 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 And I think sh- this actress should really be lauded for the way that she chose to act in this role because I think she oh, did a Jody really good Comer. job.
0: Jodie Comer is like the best if you know Killing Eve, right? She's so... I awesome. haven't...
1: I I forgot that she was in Killing Eve. That's how much she
0: like drew me into the character here. She really did. And you should hear her just go on YouTube and hear her talk. She's from Liverpool. She has a Beatles oh, like... <laughs>
1: her best her- accents. <laughs> But I think for me, I don't agree with everything that Manola Dargas said in her review, but I do agree with this one sentence, which is, well, the movie is feminist in intent and in meaning. And though she, meaning Marguerite, is given narrative time, she remains frustratingly opaque without the inner life to balance the busily thrashing men. Hmm. So I I wanted to see more of what was going
0: on in her head. I guess... I thought there were some little subtle signs of that when when we see her with her husband through her eyes, right? And we see her with her friends out there. No, I, I I, I guess I didn't feel that she was that hard to read. I thought I, maybe I read into her, but I thought that she was trying to be a good wife and pretending uh-huh. to like the sex he was offering and excited about buying that dress and trying on that. She was young, you know, and she was excited to, and, and she was disappointed and hurt that he thought that she was a slutty or whatever, cause she had a low cut uh-huh. dress, which was all the fashion and, and, you know, and you saw her disappointment when she couldn't be at court I mean, I didn't, I didn't think they made her into a hero victim, or a, you know, a perfectly good one either. I was really glad about that. Of course, she was gorgeous, so mm-hmm. that's Hollywood. Yeah, <laughs> right. I don't know. Maybe I read into it because I, I, not read into it. I think she's a good actress. I think if you just watch her face, you were seeing all sorts of things in it. And mm-hmm. so I would just say, go back Manola and watch it again because she's doing, she's giving information about what's inside of her. And the only way a woman who can't actually state it can. a mm, so, good point. I like that. I, well, another thing I wanted to mention uh, was the difference between the the kiss. Do you remember when he makes up with his friend when jean makes up with oh yes and he says to his wife give him a kiss like to Mm -hmm. seal the deal that reminded me of the controversy about parents you know like don't ever make your kid kiss uncle you Mm -hmm. know oscar something because you know it's her choice whether she wants to kiss her or not but it reminds me you know it reminds you know it was Well done each time. The first time it was, she just did it. You know, it was nice. The second time uh, he thinks their eyes meet and she's indicating, I want you. Mm -hmm. That just seems so familiar. Like you're trying to be a nice person and you smile Mm -hmm. at someone. And, and, you know, if you're feminine in any way, then this, then somebody masculine is thinking We'll read oh, into it. she likes me. She wants to have sex with me. And you're just being nice, you know? You get caught up in that. And then when it's her perspective, it's kind of like, oh, okay, bye, thanks, <laughs> you
1: know? Well, I think there's some additional scenes that become after it that I also think are really interesting in each one of those scenes. In the first one, it was really clear that, like, he was initiating the kiss for her. So it was entirely his idea. When we go to the second scene, Legree perceives that her smiling at him while dancing means that she's still like lusting after him which is delusional uh i think given what she says in her scene which is like as she's dancing she's telling her husband like honey catches more flies than vinegar don't be such an asshole to him just bury the hatchet and then she like acts it out by smiling at him And I think some of the assumptions that Legree makes about like, well, she's an educated woman. So obviously she would want an educated man. were really interesting and very self-serving because he never really talks to her.
0: Right. And the thing is that, yeah, he puts her on some kind of pedestal and he's, you know, and calls her exquisite. And, and he thinks that what he says to her has seduced her because Mm -hmm. what he said was so impressive or so seductive. And, we don't even see that. It, it was like, it's kind of interesting that from her perspective, those weren't even words that went in her ear or something. Like, yeah, He was like, yeah, my husband's friend or something. I'm <laughs> not even listening to him. But. Mm-hmm. Cause she
1: rebuffs him multiple times. Like as they were at the like feasting table or whatever, she's like, that's impertinent or something like that. And it seems yeah. like he can't, he ignores those. And just plays it off like it's part of some sexual script of her having to appear pure
0: right and she does have to I mean uh, watch her reputation as a married Mm -hmm. woman you know for her husband and her own sake too which she was doing at that point Mm -hmm. oh another scene the horse rape what about the horse rape do you remember that
1: yes (laughs)
0: <laughs> that was okay. That was foreshadowing said the person who you know took English lit and yes. <laughs> I
1: I think it was foreshadowing, and I think it's really interesting that when she when she was alone at the house, she told the person who's in charge of the stables that like he can do whatever he wants with the horses. And it really clearly for me was a message about like the difference between what she would like to have happen versus how her husband views her, which is right. a property.
0: And the stable person said that she, she said, what does the horse like better? And he yeah. said, they like to be free. And she said, well, let them be free then. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Of course they like to be free right yes but the husband was like beside himself that somebody had let the black stallion out and he was going to rape the white mare who was you know in heat or whatever they call it for horses and it was very violent scene so I think that yes um, but it was again the, the, the husband was upset because it was his property that was going and he wanted the right kind of foal from that white not a different kind of foal yes but he wanted to sell it or something
1: and i think it's really interesting to tie to this you know the way that he chose to respond in her narrative which we're led to believe is the the truer narrative about once she told him and he believed her he said something to the effect of like i won't let you have him be the last person who's had you
0: Oh, that was the most horrible scene possible. That was a second rape. Yeah, I mean, it was absolutely uh, a second rape. She said no. Even I mean, she was like, yeah. "I can't, I can't right now." You don't understand what it was like. And then he just, "Oh, that was horrible." And I, and I think for me, that really, oof. go ahead. It
1: reinforced the horse metaphor of like, "You're mine. I'm
0: gonna reclaim you." Yes,
1: it was gross.
0: And that little blonde child at the end, are we supposed to be happy that it's probably Jean's child instead of Jacques, since he was so dark and black haired? And I mean, I wish wish they had made the child just look more neutral, but it's kind of like, are we supposed to be happy? Oh, phew. It's like she she doesn't have to, well, maybe it is. She doesn't have to see her, her first rapist's face and the child but her husband was a rapist too i mean
1: yeah i think at the end we're supposed to be happy that both of them are dead because the of the postscript at the end of the film was like eventually her husband died and oh my gosh not the plague the inquisition
0: yeah three years later
1: yeah and so she she never remarried and she's left the fuck alone does it have to do with men in quite it's the same way? <laughs> yeah, that.
0: like They had a lovely little boy, right? And oh god, it was a man's world. I mean, sometimes my partner and I watch these old movies from the 40s and things like that, and he gets very wistful about, don't you wish we lived in those days? <laughs> and I was saying, I started thinking about what it was like to be a woman, and I said, no, no, I don't think so. No. Yeah. yeah. Even if I could, you know, go, you know, do those ballroom dances to the big bands and, you know, <laughs> smoke mm-hmm. on balconies do that, I think there's probably a lot more that was very difficult for women. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> I, I used to like one of my favorite icebreaker questions is like, if you had a time travel machine, what time would you travel back to? And I did not realize for the longest time how much that was based in my own whiteness. And feeling comfortable doing that but i think it's also related to gender i wouldn't feel comfortable doing that in the 20s i i barely am tolerated as a woman for having a strong personality now i can't imagine how many men would try and backhand
0: me in the 1920s for shooting off a mouth oh yeah for sure you right (laughs) you know um is there anything to be said about the white and black of this movie it kind of made me a little uncomfortable i mean for sure, like, you know, there's the blonde, the beautiful blonde princess type and the blonde husband and the blonde mm-hmm. king. And then Legree has black hair. But then when they brought the white stallion and the, I mean, the black stallion and the white horse, I was wondering if I were not a white person, how I would feel about those <laughs> images in the movie. Yeah. So
1: I, I did not get a lot of like race Based things in this, except for the the horse. I think to me it was much more about class, possibly.
0: Oh yeah. It definitely was. It's just that I think that people don't realize how often black is used to mean bad. Oh yeah. Know?
1: And what I that agree.
0: does for a race. I don't think they meant anything about race, but yeah. Yeah. It was about class and it was about gender and it was about men's competition with men.
1: Yeah. I think at the end there was also some mentions of religion because it was interesting for me the conversation that Legree had with I guess one of the questioners who said like yeah if you claim the clergy you can essentially get off because we can't kill priests and I was really struck by that because I think in some ways there's a lot of like direct parallels to if you're a celebrity or if you have money you can claim this and get away with it and I was disappointed that it was such a passing moment in the movie because I think that could have been like stretched out a little bit to make its allegory more clear.
0: Well, and I think that also goes to show that either he thought I'm not going to get killed in this because I'm the better, you know, whatever dueler, or he really didn't believe it was right. And remember, right before he's about to be killed at the end of the duel, they say, confess. I don't know if it means he's still going to kill him, but he says, confess, because if he confesses Uh and he did something wrong, he can go to heaven, I guess, but he won't. He said, I did not. I did not rape that person or whatever. (laughs) He said, your wife, Uh he really believed he didn't do it. And where does that leave us? Does that do, does that leave us with Kavanaugh really believes he didn't do it that Weinstein really believes that all those women didn't that Bill Cosby really believes that those women wanted to be drugged. Where does that leave us when this is representative of our times right now? Or is it just male pride that you are never going to get them to ever admit that they did it on purpose? (laughs) Yeah,
1: I think it's unfortunately probably more the latter because for me, in this uh, relevant example from the movie would be when Ben Affleck, I keep forgetting his character's name, um, talks to agree and says, you will never ever say that you had sex with her outside of this room and not in front of me. You will mm-hmm. have to deny, deny, deny. And I was like, man, Ben Affleck's like taking the place of Olivia Pope, the fixer in this scene. Like <laughs> just pretend that you never even like touched her. And yeah you know it, it prevents her from even being seen as credible
0: olivia pope
1: um she's a fixer from scandal
0: oh oh i didn't watch that one anyway ben affleck plays the clout the count pierre mm mm-hmm. so pierre will come one last sort of reference i think that i think that in our last bit we are you come down on the side that they're trying to say that no matter what, he he's going to deny it. And mm-hmm. I'm coming down on the side saying, I think the people who wrote the script and the book and made the movie want us to believe he really doesn't think he raped her. Um, and I don't think that's very common. I think that it's more that he knows it and he's lying. So, yeah, that's for me, the trouble with it. And the reason why I think that is because he is about to be killed and he will go to hell and not heaven if he did. So it shows that, you know, when he says at the Uh very end, I didn't do it. I think that the movie comes down on the side of he doesn't believe he raped her. He was in his own head, but I don't think that's the case for the typical get a girl drunk and rape them scene in college or Yeah, I just don't think that these guys who are coming up to public trials and saying, I thought she wanted it. I think that's what I think they're lying.
1: Yeah, I think they're lying both to themselves and to the public. And I also wonder, memory is not like a computer hard drive. We know that as psychologists, that every time you go back and access a memory, it changes it in some way. And I wonder how much op- time and repeating this memory over and over again over the course of time is part of the way that men can lie to themselves in these situations. So, like, Legree, Legree probably the first time after he did it was like, oh, you know, that was consensual. And I remember some of these like weird things. And then he talked about it again with the count and maybe he remembered a little less and changed it a little bit more. And then probably honestly, because of how long it takes to travel places, (laughs) weeks, maybe months later, they're having having this trial in front of the king. And I bet you he's deleted or misremembered or altered that memory in some other kind of way so that he believes he's telling the truth even though a past version of him knew that wasn't true. And I wonder how much that happens for people who do this, that they start to over time, tell themselves a different story that changes the memory itself.
0: Yeah, I do wonder about that. Well, it's interesting that we are kind of diverging a little bit here on what's really going on for him, but I can see your point of view. I think that our discussion is so much better than any of those reviews, though. The reviews weren't really picking up on that sort of the the gray rape kind of discussion of yeah. the one. They all focus on the truth, which is her perspective, and they did that justice, so it's a feminist movie. But I think we've, we're have we we are introducing a better discussion than those reviews. I agree. Provided, and that probably the feminist blogosphere will have a few things to say and i look forward to when it's a little bit cheaper and we can all start discussing it
1: yeah i would love to see this kind of mechanism be applied by different storyteller about a different story i would love to see more of that like this person's perspective of the same events this other person's perspective of the same events and then a third person's but not as obviously labeling it as the truth because I think this triangulation that w- you and I are doing across all three of these accounts really is what happens in public discourse all the time. Mm. And it would I think it'd be a much richer and intellectually stimulating movie. Yes.
0: I just, in ending, I want to ask you if you're watching The Great on Hulu. Mm-mm. Catherine, it's about Catherine the Great. And oh. uh, it's a it's incredibly funny and I would say feminist and it, it's a nice antidote to this movie <laughs> as you see her okay to manage her uh, way around bring enlightenment to the court the czarist court or whenever this was when Peter the great son who was an idiot took over yeah anyway, I it, think it was- all
1: of these like Royalty movies are so fascinating because it positions you in a place of great power and privilege that, and ignores a lot of the, the things that folks had to do. It's a fun kind of make-believe to put yourself in, 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 the positions of a royalty.
0: Yes. Well, we do love our royals. We Americans, we follow them very closely <laughs> I think yes. a lot more than the Brits do. Yeah. So we'll go on and we'll think about some of the next uh, sexual ethics uh, discussions to have in the future and mm-hmm. i'm glad that we got on top of this just as it was coming out for yeah View you any final word on battle of limoges <laughs> or um what else the mullet of matt <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs>
1: I, I think it was it was really interesting to me the way the role that the mother-in-law played
0: Ugh. yeah as a mother-in-law right? You, I, I can't tell you how many mother-in-laws are horrible in yeah. <laughs> movies.
1: Well, I'll say like, it, she definitely wasn't like what not to be as a mother-in-law. Got that very clearly. And I think in some ways she, it, patterned a lot of like the discourses that we hear around survivors now of like why are you making such a big deal of this I didn't make a big deal of it when I was your age and this happened to me I think I've had those conversations with some of the older women in my life and they're like oh well I didn't complain about this or you know why are you so angry about xyz thing it's not as like that was a rape and yeah yeah
0: I mean I've had some of that feeling myself too like saying wow you can actually speak out about that these things that we used to just say oh that's just the way men are that's pretty cool we've come a long way baby
1: (laughs) yeah and I think that's the like the positive side of what that mother-in-law could have done but she chose to just discipline Marguerite back to what she did and what she feels like women should do to be a good wife
0: yeah that would have made it so much more feminist movie if there was one woman in solidarity with her in it just one
1: there was a lot of options
0: yeah yeah but they all turned against her i guess it was a man's world but yeah. you know in a man's world women have found undercover and under wraps kind of comfort of other women that might have made this a bit more feminist yes anyway it's been a delight talking yes. You about movies. We we've got to do more movie reviews in the mm-hmm. future, especially since we've outdone the Guardian and the New York Times <laughs> tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's time to thank our um, our uh, uh, helpmate Dan Torres, who edits and gets our um, podcast up and running for us. Anybody else you'd like to thank today? uh no just dan i thank you i think for all the i'm very grateful to be working with you madeline on Same here. Uh, on you know and and all of your expertise on and compassion for uh rape victims in your um dissertation work and in your clinical work and in your teaching now so i try you.
1: Uh, I'm probably going to go home now and wash the wash my brain out of some of those rape scenes with something very light and fluffy maybe Catherine or the great as you suggested
0: yeah okay okay and so we're signing off from sex and ethics and with our traditional be
1: good be good